Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The social calendar remains empty. That means the podcasts keep coming thick and fast. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. While we're all waiting around for things to do, we've been out and about getting some of the best interviews and lining people up to be a guest here on the NFL Scotland podcast. So we're absolutely delighted to be joined now by a voice that if you watch or listen to the NFL in the UK, you will recognise immediately from the Nat Coombs show, amongst other things. Hello and welcome to Nat Coombs. Uh, Hello, guys. Good Good to be on. Yeah, we live in strange times, Nat. How you how you keeping busy? Yeah, we do. We certainly do. And and it is um, something that has escalated so quickly, hasn't it? And it's it's very strange to be in, involved with in, in the world of sports. So one of the, the shows I do are, on a Sunday night on Talk Sport 2 outside of the NFL season is is called Going Global. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to crowbar a plug at the first 30 seconds of the, end of the show. <laughs> but the point of the show is that, uh, hence the clue in the title, is that it's about sports all around the world. And we obviously have quite a strong North American bias, of course, and quite a lot of NFL creeps in on that, uh, naturally. But the point is that it's sport around the world. And it has stopped, by and large, all around the world. I mean, it's it's extraordinary. And it's so, you know, watching the, the uh, you know, I was making the point the other day with a friend of mine that, you look at that Atletico Madrid-Liverpool game, Champions League game, and use that as a marker and then watch what happened after that in this country, you know, let alone the rest of the Europe and, and, and the rest of the majority of the world. The speed at which this has taken over uh, our lives or affected our lives is, is, is extraordinary. So it, it is strange times for sure. And bringing this back to NFL, the uh, opportunity that is given the NFL because of that inertia in, in world sport is, uh, it, you know, it, is remarkable, really. The NFL is very shrewd marketing organization, as we know, and they've, they've pivoted so cleverly over the years to be a three, six, five relevant league. You know, when you think about how condensed the season is, which I think is one of the reasons it's become so uh, compelling in, in North America, particularly when you look at it versus baseball or, or, or the NBA and, and the rate, the impact of the regular season respectively there. And now in the off season, yeah, they've been shrewd with where they've had um, free agency, how they've pivoted the draft a little bit further down uh, and the, the combine and having key markers for things to talk about. But at the moment that there's nothing else in, in terms of sport to talk about other than when is it coming back. But the NFL has just had free agency and it's about to have the draft. So uh, at least we've got something to talk about there. <laughs> thank, thank God, otherwise it would be a long old summer. <laughs> and that's been one of the biggest changes, Nat, since you first got involved w- with Channel 5 in the NFL, is they have become more smart about how they do things. And it is no longer just sort of looking at from August till the end of January. It is all year round. And they've done it in such a remarkable way that that they are very, very clever in their content. Can you see other sports trying to copy that? Can they copy that? It's a great question because I think, you know, alluding to the point I made a, a minute ago that if, and I love baseball too. And we were chatting just before we came, you know, on air about, uh, about basketball right and uh and in the nba and uh, again you know what god whatever in america i'll go to an nba game and my boys my two uh, little boys have uh taken on the brooklyn nets for their for their season <laughs> no bloody idea why we are now we are now nets fans which is looking up things are looking up as far as the nets are concerned but but it, much as i and you know i've got a, a real affection and long time uh long time love for baseball but 
it is fundamentally different. There is no doubt about it. You look at the the NFL product in in the in the sense that for most of the season, most games matter, right? You know, you can get to this extraordinary thing where it's week sixteen and the majority of games, look, there are always going to be a few dead rubbers and everything else, but the majority of games have a significance. And, and even within the games, as we've seen so many times, rarely is there, uh, or, or for a lot of the time, even if a game is quite one-sided, you get to the fourth quarter and you think, well, both teams are still in this. Like, you know, so it's this incredible product that I think has uh, benefited from the change in mindset over the last 10, 15 years with on-demand culture and social media and people uh, and most of us are guilty of this i guess having our uh, our mindset and our um uh, our focus distracted in lots of different ways and the nfl has benefited from from that and as you say quite rightly they've they've compounded that because the obvious challenge is well that's great the 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 compact nature of our season is a real advantage but what the hell do we do for the other seven months of the year well they've they've tackled that for sure so whether other teams will um will address the the former and think, well, do we have to condense our season? I mean, it's extraordinary to think that something like baseball would ever do that because it's a, it's a game. And even now it's, it's amongst its uh, enduring appeal in North America. Certainly is, is its nostalgia, is its history, is it's, you know, all of those things that it stands for. But we would, we would, I was chatting about this with Josh Chetwin, who some of your listeners will know from, uh, you know, from back in the day over here, um, broadcasting on channel five as well, actually the baseball and, uh, uh, and with me for a long time on radio, he was saying this season, obviously the baseball, um, the baseball schedule is going to have to be cut. They've already missed opening day and it's going to eat into months of the season. So I asked him, what do you reckon? How, what's the minimum number of games they'll do? And he said, look, I reckon if we can even a 30 game season and then the playoffs in the world series, they'll do it. But it made me think, well, I wonder if, if baseball would ever think, well, maybe we just need to cut down the season a bit. You know, maybe we need to. And I, I, look, I doubt MLB would ever get that away because of the history and nostalgia. But it does it does beg the question, do other teams have to look at the um, the overall flow of the year and, and try and create spikes of focus in the way the NFL has been able to do so in order to, to keep up with it? Yeah, I, I guess the thing with, with baseball, Nat, you probably experienced this, is you go to a game – and it really doesn't matter who wins. And I mean that right. in the nicest sense. Right. And I think that that's part of perhaps baseball's charm. And I think they can get away with it. I think the NBA may need to condense because they're talking about there are too many meaningless games. But yep. part of it, I guess, is, is just that day out to the ballpark. Now, let me yep. take you back um, just so we can then go forward again. Uh, when you left the big wide world of higher education and you launched into career, what, what, what were your ambitions? To work with Mike Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> Don't that we was, all? Don't since we I was all. a little boy, that was. Uh, <laughs> I, a, I uh, posted out on my mirror saying, "No, I um, I I wish I could tell you I had a really clear game plan uh, from a young age." And I think, you know, some whatever career you're in, actually, people do. I wasn't one of those people, so I was always, I guess, a, a, a a performer of sorts so i acted a lot when i was was young and and professionally I, you know I, um and that i think was a, a course i was really looking at but I, I went to uni and i thought i'm going to kind of weigh up my options i love writing as well and i love sport but i never even when i was at uni i never thought right i'm going to be a sports presenter i hadn't joined the dots yet and to the kind of short version of the story is i stumbled into stand-up which uh and I, genuinely, again, I hadn't thought, oh, I really, I really want to do stand-up and I'm going to be a stand-up. Uh, I, 
uh, was writing and playing around and writing comedy a bit with friends and uh, and just messing around doing all kinds of things. And one of my mates said, why don't you do stand-up? And I thought, ah, really? And then the idea kind of lodged with me. I thought, you know what? Why not? Uh, it, it kind of Once it got, got into my head, I thought, I can't let this go. And I didn't really have any idea. I mean, I've been to it obviously been to comedy and, and loved stand-up. And, uh, my, uh, and again, a lot of my my influences were American. Uh, so I loved Bill Hicks and uh, uh, controversially, I think for a lot of people, Dennis Leary, who I absolutely love, uh, No Cure for Cancer, his show, but he's not a particularly popular stand-up because I think people feel rightly or wrongly that he plagiarized Bill Hicks, which, um, uh, you know, has kind of dented his appeal, but I think he's a b- brilliant stand-up. So, so I, I like the, the medium, obviously and i thought well let's let's roll the dice and see so i went and my first gig was uh <laughs> at brunel i wasn't at the uni but it was at brunel uh, students union on a saturday night <laughs> which was rowdy and frisky shall we say and it, it was a competition that i'd entered that was the only way i could get i mean i didn't know how any of it worked and i did uh, enter this competition and uh and it went uh, it went relatively well i think uh, uh, so i uh, progressed in this particular competition and started to understand how it all worked and just did loads of open mic nights. And the next thing, you know, hundreds of gigs later, four years later, I was signed to an agent. I was doing quite a lot of TV and radio and, uh, and things had, had kind of kicked off. Um, but the, by that stage I was, uh, you know, I guess pro and, uh, well on my way, but I realized I was realizing I'm not built to be a stand-up for the rest of my life like I could handle myself and I enjoyed it I was quite a sort of hit and miss type act anyway uh and there were lots of things that I loved about it but I thought it was not really I just knew in my heart it's not really what I wanted to do so I had one of those you know real moments where I thought what well what do I really want to do and I wrote you know wrote stuff down I kicked stuff around and uh more and more I thought you know I just I want to try and find a way of connecting what I've what's in my uh you know in my heart which is sport and what's in my my makeup i guess te- i guess technically which was you know presenting or or, or uh, performing and my agent uh, at the time said well it sounds to me like you want to you know you want to be a presenter present is what you really want to do i said yeah i think i think it is but how do we even go about that so i almost had to start again and took any gig i could um you know, work for free, uh, just almost be- not quite began again because I guess, you know, I had connections, I had an agent, so it wasn't like I was starting from absolute zero, but to present myself as a, as a, uh, or position myself as a sports presenter, it took, um, it took a lot of, uh, graft and, uh, I guess opportunity. Uh, and that's where to come full circle, I ended up with the NFL, you know, my first love and I loved this since I was a kid. And this, it was just a lucky break it, it, of sorts because I'd worked with a production company on another show, which is my first, I guess, may, significant presenting gig. And a pr- production company called Sunset and Vine, who uh, made a lot of sport over the years. And they were making, at the time, the NFL show on Channel 5. And Colin Murray, who was my predecessor, le- left. Uh, but he'd taken a gig at Radio 1. And my agent said, look, they're screen testing for this. You know your NFL they know you and they like you, would you go in for it? And I was a real long shot because I was so raw as a presenter, but you know, they took a, they took a break on me and, and, uh, or took a chance on me, I should say. So the, the first year, uh, and I'm not saying this to be self-deprecating, I was pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I, as a, technically speaking, uh, I, I try not to watch myself back too much, but I look back at some of those tapes and think, oh, 
what? So great. But um, like any like any rookie quarterback, right? Most of them look at, I compare my Absolutely. first season. To Peyton Manning's first season uh, in you know, a lot of a lot of interceptions. But the one thing that um, I felt straight, I mean, and, and again, it's not for effect. This within thirty seconds of the first live show, I just felt, I've this is it. I've come home. This is what I meant. This is what I'm meant to be doing. So all of those things, all of those uh, shows I'd been in, um, you know, on the theatre I'd done as an actor, um, all the stand up, the hundreds and hundreds of stand up gigs, gigs that I'd smashed gigs where i'd been literally booed off stage <laughs> all of this kind of came together in a in an instant and it was like ah, okay this is it so whilst it was a kind of a bumpyish ride uh in a way technically although i suppose with the first season too the other really significant thing was was mike you know it was the fact that working with mike i knew just something just kind of clicked we were in this kind of odd couple <laughs> odd couple dynamic and uh uh, and it, and it, I just it, that just kind of worked. So I think that carried that covered up a lot of the technical flaws I probably had as a presenter then. Uh, that that me and Mike uh, got on got on well and, and worked well, I guess, on on screen. Uh, so yeah, and after that, I, I just have a look back. In terms of working with somebody like Mike, it, it, when you've got a, a sidekick who is also a broadcaster, not just a pundit or a co-commentator, but somebody who understands the medium. Can you tell people what difference that actually makes to you as a presenter? It's a great question. Yeah, it is. It's so important. I think you see it a lot when, uh, and, and I'm obviously not going to name names here or even even sports, but you see it a lot when if you take an ex-pro who clearly has the technical knowledge of the game, but just thinks they can roll into a studio because of that because they've played for x number of years at the top of their game and be able to broadcast and more often than not it's a disaster i mean from a just even in terms of what they're talking about and what they're picking out let alone how they're communicating it and then as you say how they're bouncing off each other and i think it's it's really in that role um the 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 analyst role the 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 seat opposite the anchor it is really really important much like i guess in a way and this can be reversed as well certainly in my in my case the straight man funny man often i'm the straight man his funny man but <laughs> the um it is that if you look at that dynamic of great comedy double acts you know it is a, a lot of the time that the straight man is a very good comic and particularly that's what makes them a great straight man is because they understand timing and they understand the process and and so i think you're absolutely right there that mike is somebody who is you know, an exceptionally varied broadcaster, both in terms of what he can draw on in in terms of reference, and that is everything from you know a real deep-seated knowledge of uh, history, uh, specifically to to the sport he, NFL we're talking about here, but he, the other sports he's the same. But then, obviously, the deep-seated love he has for culture you know literature music film he can just lace these references in and then the understanding of the game and you know i often say this is this is amazing when uh, and you know you'll relate to this paul like covering the game for a long time and uh, you know and like i say i've been in love with the nfl since i was a kid so i've watched god knows how many thousands of hours of tape and i've been covering it professionally for the best part of 15 years and i can be at a game like say i'm doing one of the 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 London games for the Beeb with Mike and OC and J Bell and the three of them, all four of us be watching it in real time. 
And the three of them would all go, oh, oh, and start talking about something that just my naked eye hadn't, you know, I hadn't seen it. And, and you know, it's extraordinary how uh, Mike, uh, and yeah, he played the game to, to college level um, back in the 1930s. <laughs> and, um, he played the game to college level. So it's not as if he, you know, it, it, it is different to me, you know, other than, you know, playing with mates and, and messing around a bit, like obviously didn't, but it's it's incredible that he can bring that side of it. He'll point stuff out to OC and J Bell that they haven't seen, you know. Um, so yeah, he's a he's a brilliant broadcaster, um, uh, and it, it certainly has made my professional career. I was about to say he's made it a lot easier. He's made it bloody difficult <laughs> a lot of the but, time as well. But, that, but that's a sign of the relationship, isn't it? You get to a point where somebody that you've worked with and you know each other's style and you know how to, to throw things to people just to keep it that little bit interesting and, and to keep you on your toes as well. You know, a funny story here. So the very, go back to that very first season, right? I um, uh, there was an uh, We were kind of up and running, right? So we were kind of realised... Uh, we were going to be, we were going to be okay, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, the audience seemed to like what we were doing. So I kind of had this sense of, you know, deep breath. Okay, fine. They're not going to fire me after, <laughs> after three weeks. Um, but we are probably about 10 weeks in and, and this has been an on a long running thing with me and Mike of ever since we worked together. And, uh, I constantly bring it up and he does it to so many people. And it just, it's hilarious, but he has a tendency to crash over people. Right. So in other words, to talk over you, like when you, before you finish the question, if somebody else is giving an answer, it actually happened. I think with, um, we're on the BBC where he did it with, uh, over one of OC and Jason for the first time. And I just remember them just looking at him and I thought, oh God, are they about to clothesline, clothesline <laughs> Mike out of the booth? Um, but it all was all okay. But so he, he does do it. He knows, he knows he does it. And um, But the best ever was in our first season when uh, it must have been, I don't know, week nine or week 10. And it was the opening to the show, right? And for that show, we don't have, I mean, some shows you do, you have auto cue, but we not not for, for, for that. And, so, you know, have an opening link um, and it's in the running order, you know, roughly how long it's going to be because, you know, what, you have a, a rough set idea of what you're going to talk about before the, the game kicks off. Right. And it's um, quite a tight top. As far as I remember, we had like maybe sort of six, seven minutes before we had to throw to to Michaels and Collinsworth. And um, so opening to the show, oh, welcome to NFL here on Channel 5 now. And before I can even get another one out of my mouth, Mike just crashed, <laughs> crashed over the intro to the show, which is, I mean, by his standards, just unprecedented. So afterwards, I wrote, like, if that happened now, I would just take the piss out of him on air um, and, you know, uh, and constantly remind him about it for, for the next five years. But this was my rookie season, still kind of finding my way. So I thought, oh, what do I do? Because that was quite, you know, I mean... Mike's great. We're getting on, but he's, you know, he's overstepped the mark a little bit there, I think. And it's just a technical thing. And, uh, I, my, I said to my producer after, it's like, do you think I should, he goes, yeah, just bring it up with him. You know, it's nothing. It's fine. So I wrote like this, I suppose I spent hours on this really, really considered email. Cause I don't want to offend him. And he's such a veteran broadcaster and I'm new and, you know, I'm just a kid and he just, you know, it's a really, and I'm, I look, you are, it's so great working with you. This really, really, it must've been about, 4,000 word email and uh, Mike's response was okay <laughs> 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 email back and says okay <laughs> 
amazing. Oh, oh that's yeah. that's brilliant. Now we've got you for about another five minutes. So a couple other questions I want to to put to you. We could talk for hours, by the way. Why the dolphins? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I realized we burned through time, particularly because I'd said, I'll give you the short version of the story and then, and then talk for nine <laughs> no, minutes. No, it's, it's been it. great. It's been great. Um, why the dolphins? Uh, another another good question. Um, the uh, honest answer is back in that when I was a kid and and, uh, and discovered it, just flipping on Channel 4, like like so many of us of a, of a certain generation or of a, you know from that generation, uh, just discovered this on Channel 4. And it was because it was Marino, the Marx Brothers, a really exciting team to watch but i also got a sense and as i started to piece together things pre-internet okay the dolphins the kind of seven and nine eight you know, they, they weren't they were they were a, a great history exciting to watch but they didn't feel like they were the best i didn't uh, even then i didn't as a west ham fan i didn't really want to <laughs> go in and i want to the equivalent of you know that in those days liverpool you know or, or if we've been in the 90s like man united right so I I just felt they just felt right, you know. They felt like they were the right fit for me, but it was but it was almost entirely Marino. Yeah, that was that was that was the the the, the kicker for me. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't like the sort of glory the glory hunter stuff. Now I say yeah. this to you with love. You're one of these annoying people that I actually like watching on television because I don't <laughs> sit and think. Actually, I could do better than that. And as a broadcaster, I've got a bad habit of doing that. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> who who do you take your inspiration from? Who who are your favourite broadcasters? God, great question. Um, well, uh, quite a few. Um, so. I I really love Rich Eisen, love Eisen, um, and Mike Greenberg as well. And we were out in Miami for uh, for the Super Bowl this year, and I took my um, I was doing the game for Talksport, but I was uh, all week long I was doing my ESPN show, and it was amazing. It's actually one of the I would say one of the, the best pro- professional weeks I've ever had because we were part of the ESPN setup. Our set was on the beach next to the main ESPN US set and um, it wasn't just our set by the way that we use it all through the day but I mean the, the you know the set two as it were next to it and uh, uh, we were using it and and in the mornings at, at the ESPN hotel and we'd had a really early start because we'd wake up sorry we'd be on air live at seven o'clock local time right because we were going out live here in the UK midday and um, so in makeup by 6 a.m. and I the makeup basically was in this big production room cordoned off uh and you could hear the get up production meeting happening behind us in fact dan olofsky was was one of our guests on the show who was amazing um uh, so i could hear like you know greenberg and everybody doing the production meeting for that show and that was special because greenberg's somebody that uh i've all you know i, I said grown up listening to but as a, as a as a broadcaster grown up listening and um and and admiring and learning from i think he's i think he's great I think as well others. I mean, uh, there are. I mean, close to home. I'm a huge fan of Chappers. I think he's brilliant, um, yeah. and and a top bloke to, to boot as well. I think he's um, he's you know superb. I, I really rate Lineker too. I think Lineker's a really underrated presenter um, because I think Lineker, going back to what we were saying earlier, could easily fall into that mold of um, uh, a good rather could easily be on the other side of the of the, of the table, right, as an analyst, uh, and he understands. Mark Pugach as well, I think, is a great presenter. These these all presenters that I think have personality, and that comes through, but they don't necessarily feel the need to, or they understand the dynamic of 
leading the conversation um, and being an MC in the purest sense and being an anchor and a host in the purest sense, as opposed to necessarily telling you what they know all the time or trying to make the show all about them, which, which to me is not my, my style. And, and so the presenters I gravitate to are the ones that are really carefully balanced that substance and that credibility and, and personality, but don't overstate it. So it becomes about them when it shouldn't be about them. So yeah, all of those guys, but God loads more, but I definitely throw, throw those out as amongst my favorites. That's brilliant. Now, I've got one last question for you. So we had Ali Evans, the Scottish international cricketer, on the podcast mm. last time out. Now, he's played cricket with the Tennessee Titans. Cameron has been in Cleveland. He got an exclusive TV interview, the first with the Scottish hammer, Jamie Gillen. Oh, I, yeah, Jamie Gillen. Good, good guy. He, he, brilliant. Now, I won a, an NFL commentary event, uh, an Edinburgh event at the Usher Hall, because they had no idea who I was and that I was a professional. What's, what's <laughs> been... <laughs> All right, I could talk about that for hours. That. I want to hear that story. Come on, let's roll I'll, with it. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you one day. I'll tell you one day. Okay. I, want to hear, I want to hear your story. What's the best thing, to, cl- to close the interview today, what's the best thing you've ever done with a, an NFL player? Wow, okay. I... Um... There's a, I got a, sh- <laughs> a short list. So best thing with an NFL player, I would say um, the, okay, let's think. Uh, so three, there are, uh, so I did a, I did a piece for ESPN a few years back when different Jags uh, uh, legends taught me how to play different positions. So I had Keenan McCardle uh, show me how to be a receiver, which theoretically should have played to my strengths, right? Because that's, I was, uh, you know, I was a winger when I played rugby. I was uh, I could I you know, lost the pace years ago, but that was kind of my thing. And I'm a, I'm a keeper in football, so we did this drill where you know this video ends up being four or five minutes, and you do a little bit with. So I had Baselli on the line. I had Brunel as the quarterback. Um, each of them showed me different things, right? With Keenan McArdle, it must have thrown about thirty balls, of which I caught twenty nine. And you can guess which one, which clip made the cut. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Properly stitched up there. Um, But yeah, Brunel, when I threw, uh, he showed me how to throw. He goes, okay, just just let one go. Like, uh, you know, maybe standing 10, 12 yards away from me. And I I threw one in. He goes, okay, power is not going to be a problem, which was was one of my favorite things. And then, of course, I managed to completely offset any – sense of pride from that years later when we were in Miami actually and I was uh, threw a ball at the NFL experience that the guys filmed and then they showed it on the show I did with Olofsky this this uh, Super Bowl in Miami which and again properly stitched up here <laughs> so I, I, I threw a fair few and of course they picked the by far the worst one and Olofsky said that looked like I was throwing a toaster which was um, <laughs> which was yeah that that took any kind of uh, cocky attitude I have from the Brunel. So that, so the the Jags are teaching me how to play, and and, and players show me how to play. That's a lot of fun. Um, uh, I played. So do you remember the you know the board game Operation? Yep. So I kind of played a version of that where you know the old kind of fairground thing where you have to move that why um, the kind of metal circle round a really elaborate wire mechanism without touching the edge or it buzzes, right? Yeah. Uh, am, I, am I making any sense? You know the kind of thing I mean? Where I, I know exactly what you mean, yeah, yeah. That, so I played that whilst interviewing Stephen Goskowski, and uh, that was a lot of fun because he had to try and complete it, being, you know, kicker with nerves of steel, ice, ice, uh, ice in his veins, had to complete that uh, without hitting it, and I would throw in quite a lot of left field questions to completely completely put him off which which worked quite well um but i think my all-time favorite uh, in answer to this one is playing 
uh, playing golf, uh, ver- you know, like um, Tiger Woods golf on the PlayStation with Rondé Barber. <laughs> which, which I don't know who the hell came up with this idea in production, but we basically had Rondé Barber, who was over doing loads of promo things, and I think it's always the the way that you try and um, and again, you know, Paul, you'll know this when you, you you know that you're one of a number of broadcasters that has got time with someone, and how can you do something a little bit differently? And so somebody said, let's um let's do this; it'd be great fun. Uh, Rondé Barber plays golf he's a really keen golfer so do the interview while you're playing while you're playing golf with Ronnie Barber so at no point did anyone ask me whether I played golf <laughs> and whether I played <laughs> whether I played uh, uh play you know uh, gaming uh, in any way um which you know other than Madden and FIFA like no never so it was brilliant because I was so bad <laughs> so bad and I think Ronnie Barber just thought I was taking the taking the mickey being so bad i said really i'm, <laughs> I'm not, i just don't know how to play this game and it, you know what it really loosened up everything as, as often as the way there and and it was a great interview and um and a lot of fun but yeah so those are my those are my uh top three in no particular order but i tell you that, that my favorite uh, out of everyone I've, I've met doing this my favorite um favorite player i've met is jim kelly and that was so special because when we go back to what I was saying about falling in love with the game and that age and, and, you know, Kelly, I've, I've just actually recently being locked down as we all are watched the full falls of Buffalo 30 for 30, all about the, you know, obviously the, the back to back to back to back Super Bowl defeats for, for Buffalo. And uh, Kelly was such a big figure in, in, in my childhood and, and a player I admired so much, but everything he's been through off the field as well. And he was one of the guests we had on one of the London games in uh, on the Beeb. And just to spend time talking to him and just to realize, you know, football is is so important and such a big part of our lives. But there are so many more important things in life. And he's a hero for everything he did on the field. But in my mind, even more of a hero for everything he's done off the field and what he's been through and how he's approached that. He's an I mean, the definition of a role model, Jim Kelly. So, yeah, out of everyone I've met, he is head and shoulders at the top. Brilliant. Nah, listen, we've run out of time. We could chat to you for hours. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll have to get you back on the pod near the football season once we know what's actually going to be happening. Um, <laughs> right, right. But, but it'd be I'd absolutely love brilliant. to come back. Ah, love to come back, guys. Real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Thank you, Nat. So, Paul, absolutely brilliant to be joined by Nat and a fascinating interview. Hopefully, we ask some questions there that are a little bit different to the ones that Nat normally gets asked. Yeah, I thought we uh, got a lot of good good stuff out tonight. He's good fun. Uh, he's very, very professional, presents very well, and comes across as a really good guy. So, yeah, we hope to talk to him again at some point in the future. We're going to talk for another couple of hours quite easily. Uh, it, it was that kind of interview. So, yeah, great. Thanks. Many thanks again to Nat for joining us. Now, Cameron, the NFL is going to start on time, according to the NFL. What do you make of that news coming out today? Uh, yeah, that's optimism in its purest form, I think. Um, it's, do you know, it's a really funny one. We're still getting through all the different stories about what leagues are going to start up when. Some people are saying, simply, we'll start as soon as we can. Other people seem determined to put dates in the diary and then shift them again when that date can no longer be met. Not sure that I'm a particular fan of that way forward. Um, do you know what? I, I get that they've got to plough on as if it's business as usual too, as much as they can. 
I think there's so much has got to happen between now and September for it to all go as planned. You know, you've got to think that that it's not going to happen if the teams haven't had the opportunity to get together and have their training, uh, you know, get the new rookies on board. We've got new head coaches in a number of positions. There's no way that we can expect the the league to start up and it be fair on the teams and the players if it's all going to be rushed or crammed in at the end. What I like about it is it... It's a sign of hope and a sign of optimism. So you're saying, look, we're, we're going to go, we're going to start there. That lets everybody work backwards and figure out what they need to do and how they need to do it. I think in the States like here, I think the next two weeks are going to be the worst of this thing. It's then how we come out of that at the other side if we have done our social distancing, our social isolation, etc., etc., and we're in a position to start returning. I said on the last pod, I liked what MLS have done. They've announced the end of May that they're coming back, and that's what teams can work to. But with the caveat to say, if it's not possible, it won't be possible. But you give that little bit of hope and something to look forward to and people, you know, to get up and work towards. I think it helps the players in the league if they know that, you know, they're keeping fit for a certain date rather than just suddenly say, oh, everything's okay now. Let's go next week. Yeah, So I'm actually a fan of how how they're doing it. So, and the NFL, I think, are far enough away uh, to work that out. I must admit, I was a little surprised in this country that Wimbledon got canned so early, but that's just the way it goes. It's up to each individual body to make the decision that they think is best based on the information they have. And really, it would have to be something outrageous for me to actually criticise it because I'm trying to give our politicians the benefit that doubt where possible i'm not enjoying the the monday morning quarterback we should have done this we should have done that we are where we are let's get forward and let's get through and if we want to go back and revisit what the problems were well we'll do that once we're out of this yeah no totally um and i think that yeah there's there's the school of thought, I guess, with Wimbledon is the fact that there's so much infrastructure needs to go into an event like that. You know, it's ticket sales. It's all crammed into a two-week period. Uh, there's so much needs to be done in the lead-up to it, whereas things that are ongoing sporting events like MLS or our football, baseball, things like that, these are things that can be set up and get running quite quickly. And I wonder whether that's been a major decision in it. Uh, I think that the examples you've given there in MLS have kind of set a date far enough in advance that it feels like, do you know what? Yeah, there's something to look forward to. That doesn't feel so far away. It's the end of next month. Whether we get there or not is different. What I think there's been, there was almost a determination at the beginning to say, right, well, we're, we're canning this just now. Let's, let's pick it up next week. I think there's, there is a sort of middle ground in that where you can look far enough in advance that it is something to look forward to. Um, I think that if they keep chopping and changing, that's where it starts to get like, right, you don't believe the messages anymore then and you start to become cynical to it. So there, there's definitely a balance, but I agree with your point. You know, it's great to have something in the diary to look forward to. And for me, the NFL draft is that. Having the NFL draft and having it proceed is great. We were advocates of putting it out over a whole week so that we could get some new content every single day for seven days. I understand why they're sticking to form. It'll be interesting to see how the dynamics work. Apparently, there's going to be sort of 50 players who are going to be virtually there uh, in the virtual green room, which will be fascinating. I I think Aaron Rodgers would look as every bit as miserable in a virtual green room as he did in a real-life one when he wasn't picked first overall. But... um, That'll be really interesting to see how it pans out. It's great that it's still going ahead because it gives us content to talk about. It does, and I'll tell you what, I'll be sitting up to watch it. That's for blooming sure. <laughs> you know, there'll, there'll be no early bed that night. I like what the New Orleans Saints have done. They've declared 
declared in the last couple of days that they will be drafting, they will have a draft headquarters at the new Dixie Brewery, which is owned by uh, the same family, the Bensons, who own the Saints. It is large enough to have complete social distancing, um, which will allow them to gather in a space. Uh, I'm fascinated to see what that looks like. And if other teams decide to go to a space that, you know, it doesn't take much. You know, if if you've got 10 people in a room, um, you know, with computers or whatever, you know, you can be three, four, five metres apart. But it's quite nice to have everybody there, Uh, even if you're just instant messaging each other. You know, there's lots that you need or a one-on-one conversation you know, from a socially acceptable distance. So I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. I think, though, that'll probably pretty much wrap up everything for episode 93 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The internet connection is under strain. <laughs> Me and Paul are breaking up a little bit here. So we'll call it there. We'll wrap it up. But we'll be back again next week with some more podcasts as we aim to keep them coming. Please do uh, take the time to share your thoughts on this episode. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. A big shout out again to Nike Coombs for joining us on the programme. Absolutely brilliant. We hope you enjoyed the interview. There are others lined up. Keep enjoying your football. Keep staying safe. Until the next time, bye for now. <laughs>